Good morning, Charlotte. <laughs> Another episode of Four Transplants and a Microphone where we are diving deep into the host today. We are always here to talk about Charlotte, give you some laughs, whether you're moving here, thinking about doing business here, already do either of those things. We talk about the small business world and give you a whole lot of laughs, not necessarily in that order. So today we are diving into the hosts. So it's just the three consistent hosts, myself, Brandon, and Brian. And we're diving into Brian in this episode and exploring... Oof. Yeah. yeah. Careful. I, it's I like Inception. You can go too deep and not be able to get back I, out. We're already <laughs> regretting this. I think. Well, and, and I love your intro, by the way. It's quite good. And I have an affinity for that intro, as you already know, from yeah. Psych. But I love how you say good morning. And it's like in the afternoon. Now, they may be listening yeah. to it in the morning, so it may yeah. be appropriate when they hear it. But This is my nighttime show. I, it's real bad. I'm not doing good with timing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. All right. So, all right, so voice intros, do we want just real quick, Jack Johnson's sure. Pineapple Consulting Group. <clears throat> Brandon Vino, Superior Data Solutions. And Brian Johnson with Maine and Johnson. Brian, now it's interesting that you bring that up. Let's yeah. dive into that. <laughs> oh, gosh. The close lean-in. This is going to be awful. <laughs> <laughs> like, you can't even see how he's looking at me. <laughs> Leering, I think, this. would be the appropriate word. <laughs> he's tilted his glasses down to the front of his nose and is looking at me with his beady eyes. <laughs> Put a spotlight on him. All right, so, Brian, we know that you're from Ohio. We know that you run a That's right. Ad nauseum. Yeah. 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 <laughs> we know too well that you're from Ohio. We know that you run a coaching and consulting business. That's right. What is your favorite part of Charlotte as compared to Ohio? I would probably say just the volume of outdoor activities that are available to you, even the most minor things. I mean, I'm near the Whitewater Center, so when I think of it, that sticks out. Yeah. I think of like, I'm not that far from Crowder's Mountain. That sticks out. Like Crowda. Yeah. Crowda. But these <laughs> are Chowda yeah. Mountain. <laughs> but these are things you wouldn't have access to in Ohio as it is. Now I mean Ohio is like Cedar Point. We have Carowinds. Like I mean, there's all these things that like you can go do outside mm -hmm. and for much longer period of the year. So like right. like I laugh when I don't see people golfing on a 58 degree sunny day in January because to me that makes no sense because in Ohio the golf courses would be packed. Like right. in January at 58 degrees, I mean, everybody comes out of the woodwork for They're that. Like, holy crap, oh my right. God, it's, it's warm. Yeah, yeah, it's like the old first warm day in Ohio at school in spring. All the college kids take their furniture out onto the front lawn and sit, right. you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that, but like here, it just seems to be an ever-going, like, option that just doesn't really die. Yeah, and we've talked about that a, a, a we bit, have. too. But it's, it's you didn't ask me if I'd mentioned it before. No, no, you just no, asked no. me if I like what I like. Right. No, yeah. it's a good point. Because it's, it's not specifically weather-related. It's just there's a lot to do outside. Maybe because nine months out of the year, it's beautiful outside in some capacity. But you don't miss... If you're like inside and you're working all day on a sunny day, it's not like Ohio where it's like, oh, crap, I just wasted a good day because I had to work. It's like, right. oh, tomorrow's going to be good, too. Yep, no, I agree. And that's probably where I would land. I mean, there's a lot of other things that I really like, and there are plenty of differences, but that would be the thing I would say the most. Yeah, volume of... That was similar for me. I know we're going to eventually do one of these on me, but... See how Jack took my question? He's like, Let's talk about me now. I was like, yeah, you're done. I think you, you did good, but... Congratulations. <laughs> we can make it better. Uh, right. <laughs> There's Here's what some, you should have answered, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> there's no longer called Charlotte Agenda. It's called Axio Charlotte. And there's, they do a list of like 50 or 60 things to do every single weekend or stuff to do throughout the week, too. And there's just there's that volume of things. And it's not just like, oh, like somebody's having 50% off. No, it's like it's an actual legitimate thing. It's a concert. It's an event. Yeah. It's a festival. Something. The outdoor concerts are, I kind of wrap that into the same thing. But yeah. yeah, I mean, there's just the sheer volume of them. Again, just the number is just impressive. Right. So. Right, exactly. 
Okay. And how long have you been here for the viewers? I don't know if we talked about that. Yeah, uh, it is 2022. I just passed six years. Okay. So six years here. Not close enough to say I'm almost more Charlotte than Ohio, but not even close. (laughs) And have you been Mount Holly the whole time? Yes. Yeah. So down there, me and the other Brian hanging out down there, the mayor. Yep. Mayor. We had him on, it was a while ago now, but it was a great episode. Yeah. Um, No, I know because we were just talking about that. I actually do know Brian, but outside of the podcast, but yes. Right. Right. So. All right. Favorite thing about Mount Holly. I probably, there's a, there's quite a few things I do like that aren't going to come out here, but to be honest, it's the farmer's market. Uh, and that's not uh, it's not intended to be a plug for the Mount Holly Farmers Market, but it's I think in North Carolina, it's the third largest volunteer market in the state. You'd be shocked at like I started during COVID. So we were really restricted to only people that produced food. And now the market's a lot bigger. I mean, if even if it's not Mount Holly, but you have a local market, I mean, those are great ways to kind of get a pulse of what's going on in the community. But I know the, the I'm on the board of the Mount Holly Farmers Market, but even just as a casual volunteer and going in, it's just, I mean, 2,000 people come through every day, you know, Holy every crap. Saturday. You've got, you know, people to do crafts. You have musicians that come perform their food trucks. I mean, it's it's a four-hour event, you know, yeah. for Mount Holly. So, wow. yeah, it's that's probably the thing I was the most surprised about because growing up, like, we had farmer's markets too, and it probably was... I was a, a, a boy, and at my age, you know, there, I really could have cared less about going to the farmer's market. <laughs> Torture! Like, We're going to go get vegetables. <laughs> Fantastic, you know, yeah. but... You know, we had them in Ohio, but I didn't really get involved in any of them until I was here. And it's just really cool. I mean, and they run April to October. And a lot of the vendors and growers in the area, I mean, they have foods that like, they have, you know, early season peaches, mid season peaches, end of the season peaches, and they're all different, but they have different produce at different times of the year. So it's pretty cool. I mean, much more so than what I would have labeled. I'm not a, never was a farmer, never lived on a farm. That wasn't my thing. I was probably more of a city boy, but being at the farmer's market's pretty cool. It's pretty legit, honestly. That's pretty sweet. That's, I mean, 2,000 people on a Saturday is a lot of people, especially for Mount Holly, which is a relatively small... <laughs> it's the city population. No, yeah, but everybody not, goes. Not lying. I mean, and, and there are other really good markets. There are some that pay people to work at it. Like, the Gastonia market's bigger than Mount Holly, but they, it's paid. Like, people get paid to be, you know, work it. Yeah. All of it, everybody that supports our market is all a volunteer okay. basis. So, so, it's bigger than some of the area ones. Like, I mean... Belmont's where my office is at, right? So that's across the highway from Mount Holly. Right. It's like the connected city. They don't have a farmer's market. So a lot of their people come over to ours. That's something that you don't really hear about a lot because it's all like, oh, small town feel. But part of that small town feel is probably, I mean, the farmer's market has a very good sense of that because everybody kind of combines and goes there. And the 2,000 people get there on a Saturday and it's all local people doing yeah, and, and, local farm. and the part that most people don't know, they see that because they drive by, they see the market, they stop, you know, mm-hmm. and, or they depend on it every Saturday to go get their groceries or their right. fresh food. One of the things that's interesting is what people don't know is a lot of the community events are led through the market. So like we rent the space to other companies that want to do pop-up events, people that have wanted to use the space for like, you know, I think they have a downtown celebration at the end of the summer where, you know, they'll you know, some of the beer distributors and breweries will come and have outside stands and stuff like that there. So all of that is run through the market. So it's different. Like, and there's like, they have a, the garden at the market, there's a trellis that we've built there to kind of provide shade and just some 
fanciness, I guess, if you want to call it. But yeah, yeah. so it's more than just, hey, show up on Saturday mornings. Right. So oh, that seems like an actual event for sure. Yeah. Brandon's learning what vibrate means on his phone. On his phone, right now, yeah. At least it isn't like ringing like it normally surprises <laughs> right. him. But he was expecting it today. I heard him talk before and he was like, yeah, I'm not going to let this happen where the whole podcast is my phone ringing. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. It's that, our first caller. Yeah. We're, yeah. <laughs> dialing in. That is pretty neat, though, because that's, I mean, we may have touched on that with the mayor, I forget, but. When I don't were, think we did. No? Okay. I could, yeah, you probably would remember. I was waiting but, for this moment. Yeah. <laughs> I've been, <queued> up for <laughs> I've been waiting. Because <laughs> it's, Mount Holly is that small town feel. It, 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 is the farmer's market on Main Street there? It is, yeah. That's cool. So it's, I'm trying to think what, so people that know Mount Holly, there's Vasilio's, which is a, a Italian Greek restaurant that's there on the corner. It's kind of been a staple in Mount Holly. Markets in the parking area next to it. So. Gotcha. And they have signs up all year round for it. So you see it, you know stuff like that like I think this year last year we had Christmas tree vendor come use the space to oh, sell perfect. Christmas trees from it and so there's a lot of stuff we can do with that too okay that's neat that's uh, for the folks that may not be familiar with Mount Holly when I say Main Street I don't mean like oh like small town like it's actually called Main Street yeah it is called and, and yeah. it is the Main Street it's kind of neat it, it really does have that small town feel yeah. unfortunately Maine and Johnson is not located there but that would be great though yeah, that's right. I mean so it's actually a great transition to your business because you've said before that um Part of your branding was where Main Street businesses meet and growth meet on the corner of Main and Johnson or something yep. along those lines. It's pretty close. Right. You've done your homework. Okay. Yeah, it's where where Charlotte businesses and success meet on the corner of Main and Johnson. There it is. Yeah. Okay. And for those that, like, if they ever go to our podcast site or anything and look at our bios, you'll see our logo, but it's basically, you know, two street sign, two green street signs on a pole, one going one way, one going the other, one just says Main, one says Johnson. So. Yeah. Yeah, I initially thought you had a partner who was named Maine. I've had that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the other thing I get a lot, like, it's not enough that, like, people misspe- misspell my first name as Brain, mm. but people ask me, like, I get Johnson and Maine all the time. Yeah. And it's like, I'm not sure why you're inversing that. Like, I don't know how that makes it logically easier, but I right. get that a lot. I guess same intersection at the end of the day, but. Yeah. Yeah. Just so, weird. Just yeah. weird. <laughs> Just weird. So business-wise, and we've talked about this very briefly in another episode, but I know yeah. you focus overwhelmingly on the Charlotte community, maybe like Norman, maybe Mount Holly, maybe, you know, just Charlotte surrounding. How have you built that? Was that intentional? Talk to us about the coaching. Yeah. So, I mean, coming out of the Fortune 500 world, you know, I tried to, I guess, pick apart the things I really liked about stuff I've done in the past and how could I do only that? And then that kind of lined up with who would I do that for? And, you know, we kind of had a passion for really helping you know, the small business space, my, my father owned three restaurants. I think I mentioned that struggled with them. I mean, he was a great operator, but not a great owner mm. and didn't want to see other people have to kind of go through that same thing. So we figured there's a way we can help like jumpstart. And we, we try to tell people we don't do anything for their businesses that they wouldn't do. We just help them do it faster than they would on their own. So faster, we just accelerate access to wherever they're headed. Okay. Um, and so, but we do have that small business focus for Charlotte because that's the community we're in. And that was the piece I was missing in the Fortune 500 world is I never knew the neighborhoods I lived in, right? And so right. I wanted to be more connected to where I was locally. That's how we got started with that. So a, a large portion of the initial part of our business was build a name here, work with small businesses here. And that's given us the right to now start expanding into outside of Charlotte where we can still take care of that because we're well known, but we can you know, move beyond the North Carolina borders and we're doing a lot more kind of consulting work that's maybe a step closer to what I was doing kind of in the Fortune 500 world. Gotcha. 
Okay. Is that the trajectory of the business to stay locally focused, be able to branch out to other places? Yeah, it is. I mean, we'll, we'll resource growth in both. And that just Ooh. rhymed unintentionally. Whoa, yeah. Resource I know, growth like, in yeah. both? Oof. Ooh, yeah. Wow. But we can bring on additional people that can... Co- yeah, right. <laughs> Brandon's over there. Some just sound like effects out. for that one. <laughs> Didn't even have to push a button. Yeah. But like, we'll add people that can do, you know, help run the coaching business. And then we'll add people that, you know, might not even in this area that could help work on the consulting side. So... Um, yeah, and I mean, the big difference people would ask, like, what is the difference? I mean, with coaching, it's kind of a recurring process to always tackle the next thing in your business to keep you accelerating. Consulting, it's we might get hired for a project with a specific purpose and a specific result in mind. Mm-hmm. And then when we achieve, that's the end of the relationship. Okay. So and you've talked also, so coach versus consultant versus advisor. Yeah. So the, rounded out with the advisor. Yeah. So a revi- advisor is really somebody who does what you're trying to do better than you. So like, think like, I may know how to manage money and invest, but a financial advisor probably knows more than me, hence the word advisor in right. the name. Okay. So that's really the biggest difference. I mean, I think an advisor is also, in some cases, we act as that where our advice is not on how to run, you know, in your case, how would you run a better dashboard business? I wouldn't be able to tell you that. Right. But I might be able to say, I do know a bunch of resources you need in your business because I'm very familiar with them and you're not. Here's how you need to approach adding different you know, outsource features onto that business. Right. Because I'm, you know, I'm good at dashboarding, Brandon's good at IT, and we're really good at our skill. Right. Running a business is an entirely different animal. Right. And we've covered that quite a bit, but I know, I mean, we've talked about being a doer versus an owner. Quite Practitioner a versus a... Yes. Yes. And that's where the Brian comes in of, I'm going to keep practicing my practice, but running the overall business, building the strategy growing, scaling, et cetera. That's kind of where the business coaching comes in for a lot of people, right? Yeah, and the accountability. So when you're the owner, and as we all are, there's no one to look up right. past you. Right. <laughs> it's kind of like being the, the dad. The stops here. Yeah, <laughs> when you look back and there's no one behind you to go, hey, what? Right. <laughs> so the, it just gives you a way to be accountable to someone other than yourself. When you walk into a meeting, you know, walk in empty handed and, and it that, keeps you focused too. And that, that is one of the things that, you know, in feedback that we get is it's like, you know, we don't have equity in your company. So you don't answer to us, but you actually want to in the sense of, I do need somebody to just tell me like, am I like out in left field on this or does this sound legit? Yeah. And that's usually what we try to do is you tell us what you want. We help keep you accountable and focused to what you've stated you want. Now, if you made all that up, and you really just want to be lazy and sit on the couch, that's a different story and that doesn't work out very long. But if you're like, hey, I'd really like to grow my revenue or I'd like to, I'm good with my revenue, but I want to make more money in there, okay, then we might say like, I don't know that you need that new Silverado for your business, like maybe we could buy something used because that fits more with what you said you wanted margin. Right. Right, so it's kind of that, I mean. The accountability partners, I want to hear what you think, Brandon, of the accountability partner, because when I first heard the term in small business, I was thinking like, ah, like that sounds like a mom nagging me. It's completely the opposite. It's sort of the same message of, hey, like stay on track because X, Y, Z, and we're building towards this. And like the thing that you're doing, does that tie to a business goal? And that's, it's really important to have that and stay focused and keep on track and also have some innovative discussions, kind of brainstorm stuff. Yep. Accountability partner for you, Brent, what is, what is that, what rings true there? The one, like I said, you you have, just a meeting in general so you're going to walk in and you're either prepared or you're not yeah i mean i run a business so i kind of know what's going on so you know i mean the prepared part is hey we talked about this last week 
what have you done to get closer to that goal? So there's that. And then I heard this, I'm sure it's been around. I, I was just happened to be watching and it was this kid racing in like a BMX race and the gate drops and it says, don't be mad at the result. Don't be mad at the results of the work you didn't put in. Yeah. And I was like, the, yeah. and that's exactly what it is. You can yeah. have a coach, you can have anything you want. If you don't put the work in or do anything for you, yeah, I mean, it's, that's a perfect example. I mean, think of any sports team. I mean, you, you go play basketball in high school. You're going to have a coach. You can't be on the team without there being a coach, right? right? Your success in that sport isn't only a result of having the best coach. If you're not in there shooting foul shots and practicing your jump shot and all of that, it doesn't matter what offense the coach helps you design. You're going to miss the shot because yeah. you didn't put in the time and the work. Yeah. And so, I mean, as a business owner, it's the same thing. I mean, you can have a great product and you may have a great vision for where you want to go. But if you don't put the effort to take that product into the future, into the vision that you've set out, it doesn't matter how much I sit there with you and tell you where we at with this. Like, hey, I think we need to do this or that. Like, if you're just not going to implement it yourself, then that's that's it. Right. And that is a difference between coaching and consulting is mm -hmm. it's with coaching. It's a lot like. We use this analogy a lot, but it's like being a personal trainer. I mean, if I drop down and do the push-ups for you, I get stronger, not you. In, in, in consulting, it is a little bit more like that, where it's like they're hiring you because they don't have that capability, and they're paying you for the work, not for the idea or the, the encouragement or the accountability. You right. know, That it's a project. You, exactly. You're, you're yeah. pulling someone yeah. in to do a project to get... Yeah either it's past your bandwidth or it's a temporary thing and you don't have the capacity for it. Right. So you can bring somebody so you're not taxing your right. staff. And, to it, and if a small business owner doesn't know how to do something and that's part of what they do and then they do it, the thought is they don't have to figure out how to do it again. They can check that box like, hey, I know how to do this now in my business. I know how to send out a price increase. I don't have to like wonder if I should do this again or not. So you don't have to keep going back to some of the same things. I mean, situations may reoccur like a recession versus a pandemic you may approach them the same but they're not so you have to take different tactics but you may have to revisit that up oh, here we go got to pivot again you know that's yeah. different yeah and there's a sounding board too so yes that sounding board is someone outside your company outside your i don't want to say culture but they don't have any bias of what that customer actually looks like they, right. it's just it's like with somebody, I don't say it's like a therapist, but when you go talk to a therapist, it's like they don't care what the situation is. They just look at it and go, yeah, X, Y equals Z. Right. Go do that. And yeah, there's no emotional. Things. Yeah, there's no emotional attachment to it. So what you feel like might not be the right answer, maybe the right answer just because you're emotionally involved. Right. And you think I shouldn't do this because of and you're kind of having the conversation and, that you and, shouldn't be having. Yeah, and what we do with businesses, I mean, when if like we meet every other week or something like that for an hour, and we've gone two weeks and haven't been in your business like you may have been, when we show up back at that table and we talk, we can stay at the 30,000 foot level and say like, I don't get why you're making such a big deal out of this. Right. Just do that and that, just like you said. Right. And then it's like, huh, why am I, why was I not doing Like, you know, and what we're trying to get is business owners to the point where they can be at that 30,000 foot level in their own business. Can yeah. they put it in the parking lot? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there it is. Put a pin in it. Yeah, there we go. So, and to say that, I think too, is getting the encouragement for depending on where you are in the business. Some people are more advanced, some people are less. But sometimes just in a business to take that first step, 
is the biggest step because you know like that first price increase i'm sure people fret over it forever hours and days. i mean when i when we had our first major price increase and this was years ago the guy goes you're just gonna go do it like you're gonna go back to your office and you're just gonna do that price increase and i'm like oh torture like it's i bat it back and forth but at the end of the day you either do it or you don't, and yeah. you're going to pay a consequence one way or another. So, in, in that, I mean, your customers that value beyond the price you provide may not love a price increase, but they'll recognize what they value in you and say, like, okay, you prob- it's probably justified. Okay, I'm right. okay. The ones that only value you for price, we're going to leave you anyways. You just beat them to the punch. Right, so. and hearing that is... Right, <laughs> and that's kind of the big thing, too, because example, price increase is a great example. I'm always really nervous about that. But I think having a sounding board, having somebody to keep you on track, and having a second set of eyes, if you will, is a huge part of why every business should have a coach. Because you're deep in your business, and you're like, oh, man, we emailed this customer five, six times, and blah, blah, blah. The coach comes in and says, so? Yep. Right? And then you put the spin on it of, they're going to leave you anyways. Let's make it more cost-effective. Let's say you lose... 10% 10% of your customer base, they actually happen to be the 10% you hate dealing with anyways. Exactly. And they were going to leave you the minute they got a lower price. So you increase their price. You probably make more money with the other 90% of your customers that stuck around at the new price. Mm-hmm. And you're better off. And now you've got the space to take on 10% more business with at the new price rather than have to deal with people you didn't want to anyway. So right. pruning yeah. is not a bad strategy in your business. So, I mean, you cut the leaves off that are sickly and dying before they actually, you know, ruin the rest of the vine. Right. Yeah. And then you can build the customer base that you want to have. Right. So, but get it, understandably, that's not the easiest thing for businesses. That's just one example, but that's the type of conversation you have. There's the difference between I don't want to do it or, and I know it's the right thing for my business. How do I get myself personally over that hump? Yes. That's where we help. Sometimes we push, sometimes we pull. That's a good push on that one. Right. You and know? it's important, too. Because right. every business should go through that. They should at least be challenged to think through that. Right. Because of the everlasting effects. And like, there's so many good examples of just having that sounding board and being able to be accountable to somebody and also just saying, all right, I don't know how to talk to this customer because I talk to them all the time. We're in the weeds, blah, blah, blah. How do I talk to them about something that's not in our day-to-day? Right. Right. And even stuff that's internal, that's not customer facing, you have, you know, when we first started working together, just cost analysis, as you like to say, cost reduction. That's right. (laughs) Margin Margin enhancement. enhancement. Yeah. So, so, you know, taking a look at things and not just cutting things because it's cheaper. It's, you know, there's a why. And I may not know, obviously, I wouldn't know more about IT than you do, Brandon, but I may look at it and say, like, huh, is an IT business really so important that you need 25% of your budget going to marketing when most of other businesses are at, like, 10? Right. Some want 50 to 60% <laughs> of your budget. But the point is, like, you can get that. That's one of the things that I like about this is we don't specify what type of business. Like, we're not niched out to only certain businesses. Right. So when we come in, we could say like, huh, have you ever thought of trying this? I had a retail company that did this. And you might be like, never would have thought of that in a million years because that's not spoken about in IT circles. Yeah. And you know what? That very same thing, it, it being an out, like an outsourcer, it's exactly that. There are so many times that I run into people that live in a bubble. 
Yeah. And that bubble is the only thing they know. They can't get outside of it. Right. They don't know what's outside of it. And you're talking to him. It's like, why are you doing it that way? Well, it's like, yeah. just do this. And it's like, oh, uh. well, and it's funny, <laughs> probably even worse than IT. Like what I found, and this is not disparaging these groups. It's just an observation because there's some really successful ones and we have customers in them. But the side that's like the, I, I call them like the brotherhood type, like lawyer, legal firms, and also like medical practitioners. Typically, not everyone, but typically their group of people they associate with inside and outside of work tend to be in those spaces. Right. So your conversations become like what you said, inside a little bit of a bubble. And they, it's not about them being successful and it's not even that they're missing something. It's just that outside perspective that other businesses may be more connected with in those spaces tend to be a little bit more scarce. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's like watching the news. If you only watch one station, you're only going to get one point of view. There you go. You know, that's, it's just a fact. Like if you're taking in only one kind of information, you're never going to see what's outside right. of that bubble. Right. There you go. That's, we might have to wrap up on that point. But awesome stuff. We want to thank the Fox and Hound of Northlake for hosting us, as always. That's right. Brian Johnson, always armed with a creative solution. That's right. Thanks so much for <laughs> guest hosting. Thanks for the interview, guys. <laughs> <laughs> if I had a perfect day, I would have it start this way. Open up the fridge and have a tall boy. Yeah. Then I'd meet up with my friends. 